There's this uh, journal entry uh, written uh, maybe 200 plus years ago, uh, and I wanted to read it to you guys, uh, I don't know, maybe three, four months ago, uh, but it just didn't feel uh, appropriate, and, uh, and at some level, I guess it still doesn't, but let me, let me read it to you right now. Here's, here's what this journal entry said. Uh, it says, I asked God for strength that I might achieve. I was made weak, that I might learn uh, humbly to obey. I asked for health that I might do greater things. I was given uh, infirmity that I might do better things. I asked for riches that I might be happy. I was given poverty that I might be wise. I asked for power that I might have the praise of men. I was given weakness that I might feel the need of God. I asked for all things that I might enjoy life, and I was given life that I might enjoy all things. I got nothing that I asked for, but everything I hoped for. Almost despite myself, my unspoken prayers were answered. I am among all men most richly blessed. Now, that sounds like a great journal entry, right? Like, you're like, Jason, why wouldn't you, uh, why wouldn't you read that? Why would that feel uh, something uncomfortable about it? <laughs> the title of that journal entry is uh, A Confederate Soldier's Prayer. <laughs> and that's where it gets real serious, right? <laughs> Because that is something that if you watch the, the prequel uh, to Gettysburg, uh, it's a movie called uh, Gods and Generals. There's this time in our American history where there was a civil war uh, in a God-fearing nation where people on both sides looked to God as their defense, both prayed to God in earnest for victory against the enemy and with God as their defense. And there was a literal line in the sand, sides to be taken, now, that's to the, to the extreme, but we do that in 2022 as well. And some lesser things, and maybe, I don't, know, I don't know if you guys are in tune with, like, the politics of the day, but there are sides from time to time. Like, they are people that kind of end up on either, in either direction, and they don't like each other, and they're like, anyways. But, but we, when we see this in, like, the, the medical world. You people have people that are super smart in the medical world, but they also argue uh, holistic medicine. You have people that really love baseball, and they know so much about baseball, but they're purists, and they'll argue about the DH. You have people that really love camping, but I'm only going to camp in an RV, and uh-oh, but there's other ones that are like, no, if it's a tent, camping is only in a tent, and they'll argue about what true camping is. And I, and I texted, uh, I emailed a buddy today because I've heard Star Wars people, uh, and that's like, they, they are people. Like, they are like, they're their own thing. Uh, and I was like, uh, what? I hear Star Wars people arguing all the time, and I don't understand anything. Uh, and they're like, so what do you all argue about? And he, he responded back to me, seriously, everything. <laughs> Uh, and don't even get me started with The Last Jedi. I don't know what The Last Jedi is. Is it Obi-Wan? I don't know. Han Solo, is he a Jedi? I have no clue. Uh, but apparently, uh, Star Wars people argue about that. In, in many different circles in life, we find ourselves arguing. Sometimes it can be as big as a civil war. And we'll get to the point, even in 2022, have you heard this phrase? Be on the right side of history. You have people that look at an issue and say they want, they want you to be on this side of history, but then you have other people looking back at them, looking at them and saying, well, I don't care about your side of history. And what happens is just that word, sides, sides. And I'm not talking about your great-grandma's famous corn pudding uh, recipe that she used to bring to potluck dinner. <laughs> I'm talking about a line in the sand, winners and losers, you're either for me or you're against me. You're either with me or you're against me. 
We've said that about this series as we look at the end times. This is our last week looking at uh, the Bible uh, in, the, in its prophecy uh, in this end times series. Uh, it, does it continue? Is it really the end or does it continue? Kind of that question mark that we put in there as a subliminal messaging, if you will. And uh, so this is the last week and we're going to look at our victorious king. But we've said, hey, there are people that are super smart with God's word that way smarter than me that land on different places. We're presenting what we believe to be true, but at the same time, we're looking and saying, we're not going to draw a line in the sand if you believe something different. That's okay. But what we are going to say, here are three things that we, we think that we should all agree upon. Jesus is coming back. We don't know when. And y'all better be ready. <laughs> And today we're going to look at the, the coming back of our Jesus, and, and it's going to look like that second point, that, that, that Jesus is coming back portion, but really what we ultimately are going to be focusing on today is, are you ready? Everything in this world guides you towards the losing side. As the enemy, as our real enemy has a level of control in this world... Everything that he's doing, whether it's just strictly busyness, whether it's the good in your life that keeps you from great, or whether it's the hardship in your life, all of this world is guiding you towards the losing side. And it's going to fade. It's going to go away. So everything here in the, in the world around you is a facade of victory. It's a mirage. And so, so what we have to ask this question of where can lasting victory be found and whose side are you on? Because the world is asking you to pick sides. Everything I've mentioned, whether it's really serious or not so serious, the world is asking you to pick sides. But in the end, there are two sides. And Jesus, not the world, determines it. Will you bow your knee freely and willingly in this world? Or one day will it be forced to bow? Here's where, we're, here's where we are in our timeline. We've shown this every single week. It's on the, the weekly rundown. Uh, we taught, we started with the church age. We spent a few weeks in uh, the seven years in the tribulation, the Antichrist and things of that nature. We're in Armageddon, Q, Aerosmith. Uh, uh, not, don't, don't stop. So like, what's that song in Aerosmith? It's like, whatever, you guys know it. And uh, there, it's in your head now. It will be there for the rest of the day. Uh, so we're talking about Armageddon, this one final victory where Jesus, where everything feels hopeless, where it feels like it's lights out for all of humanity, but Jesus comes storming back. That's what we're talking about today. Then he sets up a millennial kingdom. And finally, after a thousand years, there's a new heavens and a new earth. And it's forever and forever and forever with Jesus. And so that's where we are. And so let's go to our text. It's in Revelation chapter 19. Uh, Dad, if you're watching, we finally made it to Revelation. So you can be proud of me. Okay. And uh, that's a little inside thing for my dad. Anyway, so Revelation chapter 19, uh, that's the end of the Bible. So if you get to the back cover, you've gone too far, uh, just a few pages in front, uh, or it'll be up on the screen, or you can just Google Revelation 19 ESV. Here's what it says. Then I saw, now, this is John writing, John who spent time with Jesus, John who literally walked with Jesus, ate with Jesus, did life with Jesus, has a vision later on after Jesus has gone from this earth. Uh, he writes this, what he has seen. And I saw heaven opened and behold, a white horse. And the one sitting on it was called, two names for Jesus, faithful and true. And in righteousness, he judges and makes war. His eyes, ooh, this is weird, like a flame of fire. On his head are many diadems. And, and, and he has the name written that no one understands a third name mentioned. He, he is clothed in a robe dipped in blood. 
And the name of which he is called is the word of God. The armies of heaven arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following, following him, not in front of him, important, following him on white horses. From his mouth a sharp sword with, with which to strike down the nations, a sword of judgment. And he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress with fury of the wrath of God, the Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh, maybe a tattoo, I don't know, but maybe a Sharpie marker. I don't know if you guys want to debate tattoos in the Bible. Uh, on his robe and on his thigh was written the name, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. This is at the back end of the tribulation where everything feels hopeless, where everything feels like this is all coming to an end and it's not good. Now, you, we are not in the tribulation, but many of us walk into this room feeling the same way, don't we? It feels like the world is caving in. It feels like everything around me is like losing, losing, losing. It's all this element of losing. And it's a fair question to say, can complete victory be had? To walk in here and feel like, am I actually on the winning team? Am I on the winning side? This is a reminder that as dark as it gets, as bad as it gets, as awful as it gets for the Christian it always ends in victory. For the Christian, this world is always going to be the worst it will ever be. For the unsaved, this is the best it gets. And so my Jesus, when it all feels hopeless and all feels dark, when it feels like curtains are about to come down, Jesus comes storming in on a white horse, fiery flames out of his eyes, which is super weird. But for you and I, it's a reminder that Jesus sees all. That Jesus penetrates into the depths of the soul, which as Christians is both terrifying and thrilling. Because Jesus can remember all of your wrong better than you can. <laughs> Jesus knows all of your intents, all of your motives, every private message you've sent, every email, text message, DM, all of it. Every thought you thought and didn't say, he knows it all. It's a terrifying thing to think of as we stand before a holy God. And yet, it's thrilling. Because in light of all of that, and in spite of all of that, he still chooses to love me and make me a part of his team. He knows it all, and that's why, for those that are not on his team, the comparable is not the world. The comparable of your goodness, your righteousness, how awesome you are, is not what you see on CNN or Fox News. The comparable is always Jesus. And before a holy God that sees it all, we lack, and there is sin in all of our lives, and Jesus will come back to judge all of humanity's sin. And when that final battle happens, the end of tribulation where everything is looking up at God and humanity thinks that all of their technology and all that they've accomplished can overcome the one true God. Jesus comes back. He leads the way with that sword of judgment and the eyes and all that crazy stuff. <laughs> but who's behind him? We are. <laughs> On what? White horses. White linen. It's a reminder that Jesus, who sees it all, gives you his righteousness, and you ride behind him in perfection, not having been perfect, but because you have Jesus' perfection. Who's leading the way? Jesus, not you or I. Who's fighting the battle? Jesus is, not you or I. So we're not necessarily participating in that final battle. 
We're more spectators to see the awesomeness of our God. And that's how the story unfolds as we follow him. And now you're asking, like, Jason, come on, like, there, this text, like, what John is saying, there's some crazy stuff going on. And yeah, I get it. And you might be like me at different times when we're in our puffed up pride to be like, what gives Jesus of Nazareth the right to act this way? Did you catch those final two names that, is, that John says of Jesus? King of kings, Lord of lords. He has the ultimate authority. Buddha doesn't. Muhammad doesn't. There is no other religious leader that religious leader that, that title fits for. It only can be said of God, of Jesus, and God gives him that title. If you think you are king, no, my Jesus will dethrone you. If you think that you can lord it over people or be lord of your own life, no, my Jesus has, there is no competition to my Jesus. He has absolute power, and he's coming back like the military power that many thought he should have been and walked away, if only they would have taken the long view. As I thought about this, because I read the Gospels, and it's like Jesus talks about going the extra mile. Jesus talks about, about turning the other cheek. And that's like that lovey-dovey Jesus. But then Jesus is also coming back like this warrior and this fighter. And you know what it reminded me of? Check out this commercial. I stood outside assessing the situation. I knew it could be rough in there, but how rough? There was no way to know for sure. Hey, guys. Daddy, it's pink! But hey, a new house, it's a blank canvas, and we got a great one, thanks to a really low mortgage rate from Navy Federal Credit Union. Pink? So she's a princess. You got a problem with that? Hoorah! Hoorah! Four million members, four million stories. Navy Federal Credit Union. Two different sides of my Jesus, but equally my Jesus. <laughs> like the soldier that goes into battle and is willing to fight for the freedom that we so greatly have in this country, but yet comes home to daddy's girl. <laughs> it's the same exact person, different sides. This, this is on the, the uh, Wellspring Weekly rundown. Uh, Jesus' first coming, that he's riding on a donkey. In his second coming, he's riding on a white horse. In the first coming, he's, he's, the, he's the suffering servant. In the second one, he's king of kings and lord of lords. Humility and meekness, majesty and power. All these different, these different sides of Jesus, but yet the same person. He is my, my lovey-dovey teddy bear of a God. But he's not someone to be disrespected. And so I'm asking you, is this the Jesus that you know? The Jesus that is the warrior king and also, like Reagan would know her dad as, that's my daddy, the complete person. Here's where the text goes on to John's vision. He says, then I saw the angel standing uh, in the sun and with a loud voice he called to the birds. He's making an announcement to the entire world, but he's speaking specifically to the birds that fly directly overhead. Come, gather for the great supper of God to eat the flesh of the kings and the, and the flesh of the captains and the flesh of the mighty men and the flesh of the horses and, the, and, the, and, the, and, the, and their riders and all of the flesh of the men, both free and slave, both small and great. I saw the great the, the beast, and I saw the kings of the earth, and with all of their armies gathered to make war against him who was sitting on the horse, against his army, the king of kings and the lord of lords. Just to pause there, I love a good victory story, and I love like people that kind of like know they're going to win, and how they kind of go about winning. The fact that the angel is saying this before the battle happens 
kind of makes me love it all the more. <laughs> uh, and the beast was captured, and with its false prophet, that talks about the tribulation and the antichrist and the false prophet. You can look at uh, the earlier sermons about that. Who is in the presence had done all the signs by which, met, by which he deceived those who had received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped its image. These two were thrown alive into the lake of fire that burns with sulfur, and the rest were slain by the sword that came from the mouth of him who was sitting on the horse. And all the birds were gorged. They had their fill uh, with the flesh. He addresses the birds and says, guys, there's a feast coming. He's guaranteeing victory before victory is actually in place. He talks about the Antichrist and this prophet that deceives so many through, uh, through the uh, tribulation. And he says, yeah, they're going to have, like, you think they're about to win? Nope. They're going to be in the internal lake of fire. They're going to be killed and they will suffer for all of their wrong. He talks about the battle. There's no war at all. Like, you read that passage, and, and there's not like these battle plans. It's not like Jesus, if, if you've ever been in, in, in a battle, I haven't. Uh, but I can imagine, like, if you were going to talk, hey, we're going to go here, we're going to swoop around here, we're going to go here, and if this doesn't work, then the contingency plan is to go here. Like, this, this angel is not before the battle laying out any plans. Without this battle, what this angel is doing is giving us the, the cliff notes. He's saying this is the end result. That this final battle will be over before you can even say the word Armageddon, Q. Arrow, Smith. That when my God says curtains, it's curtains. It's swift, it's complete, and we just get a report of the results. Don't be on the wrong side of history. will never be truer than in that final day for the long-awaited battle of Armageddon. And everyone who rejected the Lamb of God will be held accountable. No one left unjudged. Can you bring uh, that whiteboard up for me? I want to show off my um, artistic uh, abilities, uh, if you will. And as you roll it, it does not roll well. Uh, and so it will, yeah, just have fun with that. Uh, so yesterday I was in this race. Uh, it's a duathlon. Thank you so much, Laura. Uh, in a duathlon, which sounds about as much fun as the word duathlon is. And, uh, and so every race has a finishing line. Every race, there's, like, there's this moment where, you, if we want to use that term, like curtains are called, right? And so you, you, uh, I, the duathlon is a 5K, a 25 bike, and then a 5K. So I get off the bike, and uh, I look, like, I come around the corner, and I can see the finish line. I was like, oh, man, like my, my goal time is in reach, but... I don't really think I'm going to get it because I was cramping and whatnot. And so like, here's the finish line. You, cut, you come around the corner, and, and then over here is like that little thing like this. That's, uh, that's the finish line. <laughs> okay. And, uh, but then next to the finish line is this stand. This is drawn to, uh, to the right specs. Uh, there's, this, there's this clock right here. That tells you your time as you cross the finish line. So I came around the corner. I saw that. And, uh, and, and I was like, oh, I don't think I'm going to get it. But then I came back, same, same route. And I was like, oh, man, I'm within two minutes. But I only have like 100 yards. And so where some people are sprinting to the finish line, I was like, forget that. I'm good. Like, I, I got my time. And, and the thing about this clock at the finish line, do you know what direction it goes? It never gets smaller. <laughs> It's not, it doesn't start at a, at a high time and then go down, 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 down. At the finish line, it's always going up. It's always getting bigger. And it encourages you to, to run towards the finish line. So when you cross it, you, you know your time. It's, it's curtains for those that have crossed the finish line. You're all done. 
Now, as I thought about this, not many of us, not all of us can relate to a race and, and the end of the finish line and God, God calling curtains like that. But as I thought about this, this this week, there's another finish line that I think is what we will all see someday. And it looks more like that. Again, wildly a great artist. <laughs> But have you gone up onto a crime scene and they remove a body and then all of a sudden they, they put the paint, the yellow, the white paint around the person? That's, a cur- that's curtains. That's a finish line for that person that has crossed the finish line of life. And next to every person right here, it's not a literal thing, but next to every single person there is also a timeline, a clock. But it doesn't go up. It's always going down. You and I are each going to cross a finish line. Each one here, it's going to be curtains for us. And each one of us has a clock standing right next to us, going down, down, down. And no one here, not a single person here, knows when everything there hits zero. So what I, what I do, because I'm a dork, uh, I, in my journal, every single day I do, a fi- I do a five-year journal to help me see like God's moving throughout. And so this morning, uh, this number, 279, if I am to live the average lifespan of a, of a male person in America, this is how many days I should have left. <laughs> I'm wildly fun, okay? And so uh, I've also told Wellspring the exact day that I plan on retiring, my 65th birthday of, uh, of when I, when my 65th birthday. I don't need more explanation. I'm an idiot. Uh, and so to that number, 2459, uh, I write that number down in my daily journal, journal every single day. <laughs> Just if I hit the average, <laughs> Because I want to realize that that number is going down, down, down. And no matter what, I'm getting closer to the finish line. Our big thought for us today as we look at this this experience is is formed in a question. For us to consider and for us to think about, it's simply this. uh, Game over for some is game on for others. Question, whose side are you on? When it all comes to an end... For some of us, it's game on. Let's go. We're there. For others, it's where it ends. And we're forever enemy. The Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. And so again, whose side are you on? It begs this question of, of sides and whatnot. Uh, and so here, I, I daily surrender, one of our values for, that we think all Christians uh, should ascribe to. Every single Christian should, should wake up every single morning and realize, yeah, yes, I stand perfect before the Lord God Almighty, but I have stuff that I need to surrender over to God. <laughs> I stand perfect, but yet I don't act perfect. I surrendered him my life, but I'm still trying to hold on to portions of my old life. And so as a Christian, we celebrate daily surrender. We value daily surrender. We value becoming more and more like Jesus. And yet, for daily surrender to be true in each of our lives as a Christian, it must start with an initial surrender. That moment where you give him your life. Because there are plenty of people walking around this world, walking around New Jersey, walking around Tom's River, walking around this building and saying, I've given God my life because, purely because I've, I read the Bible, 
purely because I serve, purely because I give, purely because. And we look at different aspects of surrendering, but you've never had that initial surrender where God gets it all. And you're willing to give him it all. So let me, let me show us two, two verses uh, that I, I think so beautifully represent who Jesus is. And one from the beginning of Jesus' ministry, literally on the day one of his public ministry. And what, what John sees at the very end, day one, Jesus is walking up, up to a body of water with John the Baptist. Such a creative name because he baptized people. And he sees Jesus first time in his public ministry is about to erupt and he yells out there's a bear there's the lion nope he sees Jesus and he gives this ferocious title <laughs> behold the lamb of God bah it takes away the sins of humanity where the fury of God is coming out on all sin here comes the sacrificial lamb who will give his life for all of humanity. Victory. And then, then John, uh, who, who later on has this, who sees how it's all ending, God, God gives him a, a special prophecy for all of us that we're looking at. In Revelation chapter 6, this is one of my favorite passages because I love a good victory story. <laughs> Jesus is described as what? John says, I saw the lamb standing as though it had been slain. Standing as if that lamb was hanging on a cross. But standing. I haven't walked up onto many fights, but usually the person that's still standing is the winner. Every time I see that, that text, I think of Muhammad Ali standing over, over that guy and shaking his fist like, come on, come on. All of humanity thought it was lights out for Jesus when he had died and then rose. And even after he rose again, still some say it's lights out. But my Jesus is still standing in victory. So I want to ask you, have you given your life over to Jesus? Do you understand the wrath of God over all of humanity for sin? Not the person next to you, not to be better than the person you see on the CNN or Fox News or, or on your social media. But, to be, but, but with the comparable of Jesus, the holy, true Son of God, we all stand with things in our lives to be judged with him as the comparable. I'm asking, have you given your life over to him? And so we're going to pause and pray, and then, and then I just want to say just a few things, two small things for the rest of us that have given Jesus our lives on how we move forward from this place. Let's pray. God, I pray right now for people that have never given their lives to you. Maybe they're doing good things. Maybe they're doing religious things. But God, you didn't die for people to cling to religion. You died for people to cling to you. We don't preach a risen you to make people good. We preach you so people can have you. And so Jesus, right now, Holy Spirit, in this moment, if there are people that have never truly given their lives over to you, if they've never raised the right flag and in raising the right flag have found you to be victorious and to have, have found victory through surrender, 
but they cry out, but they believe it in their heart and cry it out and confess it with their mouths. And if that's you, please pray something like this in the quietness of your seat. God, I am sorry. God, I am not perfect. God, I, I have done wrong. God, I understand I deserve punishment in, in comparison to a holy God. And why you would send the sacrificial lamb to, to die for all of humanity, I, I, I do not necessarily understand it, but Father, I'm accepting it today. Your son is a gift and I receive it. I receive forgiveness. And I'm so thankful that I get to walk in victory. Jesus, convict me. Jesus, help me to be every day more and more like you in perfection. From this day forward, as I give you my life, help me to, to live out your life on a daily basis. In your name, amen. There's a friend of mine that I get the privilege of uh, mentoring, and as we were talking about surrender and victory, I asked him for permission to share what I've been seeing God do in his life. And so let me just close with his permission, something he, he wrote to me. He said, my stepfather, who, who I really called dad, was, was a devout Christian for over 40 years. He was probably the most devout Christian I've ever met besides some of the people I've maybe met here. Uh, and he, he was a very successful businessman, being one of the most successful therapists in Ocean County. He saw thousands of clients. He sold his business for a million dollars before having to reopen it because after selling it to the gentleman who never paid, it, paid him for it. And he did all this while being a quadriplegic and having polio for 68 years. How, what does this have to do with the question of, of surrender? My dad died a year before COVID. And after he died I, I died, I decided that I wanted to have faith like my dad. So I poured myself into my faith in Jesus. I read his Bible and his notebooks, which were filled with monthly notes and scribbles and thoughts on his faith. And one of my favorite passages in there is a sidebar there is written this small sentence, surrender daily to him and you'll find what you're looking for. I know for me it's no small task. I am a person that, that likes to have control and giving up control is not easy. I get anxious and it's just not a fun time. But this is what I needed to do and this is what needed to happen. I submitted to him daily and I'm seeing his rewards and his blessings like I've never seen before. All because I started submitting to my God. And so I want to end this series with the two challenges that we started with. We said it every single week and we'll apply it differently. Pursue community like he's coming tomorrow and pray for one like it's the last one. We've been saying today that Jesus changes everything. And so on the Bible app, I thought something that we could do together as a church is go through this like 50-ish day uh, thing on the YouVersion Bible app, app called Jesus Changes Everything, that we could do that together and wrestle every day with scripture and a devotion and even a video um, some days that Jesus changes everything. So on the screen, you'll see a QR code. Uh, that's to get you to the YouVersion reading plan for us all to do together. <laughs> Jesus truly changes everything. So let's wrestle on that as we leave this place together. And my second challenge for you, uh, pray for one like it's the last one. We've been praying for people. We've been fasting for people. We've given up meals for people. But might we be used by God to actually have a conversation with people? 
And so my challenge is, is bold, and I hope some of you take it as a challenge because the challenges aren't meant to be easy. <laughs> That's what makes them a challenge. The one that you're praying for, would you try to have coffee with them this week and let God guide the conversation? And just maybe, when you pray for God to give you an open door to share who he is and share his love, I'm pretty sure God loves saying, yipper, <laughs> to that prayer. So we're going to close with the song, Reckless Love, and here's my prayer. I know they're, they're cleaning up on the outside. The back door is open. The outside door is open. Here's my prayer. Would we sing with such passion that the unbelieving world that's literally outside of our doors hears us singing and starts to question their unbelief? Let's pray before we sing. God, I thank you for this time. I thank you for this song, Lord, this, this song, Reckless Love, that reminds us that you, Father, what seems so reckless to us, to us in, light of, in light of who we are, that you chase after us. I pray that it's refreshing for us as we sing it, Father, and I pray that there literally are people outside our doors that hear us singing and think, what is going on? We love you, Jesus, in your name. Amen.